Listen, are you tired of hitting singles, doubles? You want to hit that home run? You got to check out Manscaped. Performance Package 4.0. It's got the Lawnmower 4.0. It's skin safe, electric trimmer, and I mean, you'll get everything there. The weed whacker for those pesky ear, nose hairs, as well as the crop reviver ball spray toner. And we all know you like to play a little bit of muddy ball down there. So, anti chafing ball deodorant and a magic mat, disposable shaving mats, every rat tool for the job. You know what they can't do? They can't field, and they can't throw, but they can get on base. Go to manscaped.com. Use code Toogie, 20% off. All right. God, welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Toogie's Take podcast. A big thank you to our, our lovely guest on the intro there. I want to know who people think that happened to be, so let us know on Twitter. I, I want to know. I want to know if they... Uh, if they got who you were going for there. But of course, my name is Doogie, joined as always by my friendos, one Mr. Endo Mills. I have a beer here ready for the struggle and what we're going to get to later today, so it's going to be great. And of course, one Mr. Sin for the win here once more. Sin, how you doing, bud? I, I'm, I'm doing okay. Uh, pretty good considering the 82-0 dream is now gone, but you know what? It was still a good game. Well, for one team. It was a good showing at the end for my boys, but yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm sure we'll we, get to that at some point. We really undersold the fact that the Sharks played both the Leafs and the Bruins this weekend heading into it. We barely talked about it, if yeah. at all, and I don't know why we did that. But we do get to talk about the aftermath today. Oh, boy. We also get to talk about a variety of different subjects, including your viewer questions, which is how we're going to kick things off today. And we start off with... Maybe the most ridiculous question we've ever been asked. I have seen this question before, and I'm honestly shocked it took us this long to get this question. This one comes from Mr. Hualolo. You and a super intelligent snail both get $1 million, and you both become immortal. However, you die if the snail touches you. It always knows where you are and slowly crawls towards you. What's your plan? Now, I will start this off by saying, why does the snail also get a million dollars? I know he's super intelligent, but are we, are we trying to sit here and say that the snail understands the concept of money? That's my, that's my first question. Secondly, what do you spend one million dollars on? You could spend half of it, not even, on natural predators of the snail, and eventually... Something will get it. I know it's immortal, but it's going to spend enough time in and out of digestive systems that I'm good to go. So they, I mean, with a million dollars, too, you can build a box to keep the damn thing in. I don't care how super intelligent it is. It's an expensive yeah. box. It's a goddamn. It's a snail. Yeah. And we'll just, I'll, I'll, and I'll, I'll pre preface my, my answer with if. You know, Wololo's going to shift those goalposts and be like, no, you can't do any of that kind of stuff. You just have to run from it. I have I have something. I'm going to literally fly and move to Sweden. The motherfucker can't board an airplane. He can't buy it. I don't care how smart he is. No, how, how, how's he going to get on there? How's, how's he making it across the ocean? He's going to swim? <laughs> His timing of making it onto the airplane, though, unless he jumped onto a person's luggage. So, see, we're sitting here. And the 
the, the crux of the question is just how intelligent is super intelligent? Right. Is it super intelligent by a snail's point of view or like super intelligent as in like this thing has Einstein capabilities? Right. That makes sense. Nothing. No, nothing about this makes sense. Yeah. But that's <laughs> thanks for the question. Had to bring it makes it up. sense because it makes no sense. Oh right. God! So hey, yeah. Malolo, good, so, good, good work. So what I'll, I don't know. I know you got a specific plan. Okay, so, just so here's on? what we do. So it's a smart snail, but if someone, I, I can't touch it like physically. I could get someone else to touch it. So obviously, I'm going to ask like Polina, like pick up the snail, put it in a box, right? Okay, hear me out. I encase that box with cement, right? Hear me out. I use my money. I go to the fucking Marianas Trench and I drop that bitch in the ocean. Can't get me. Can't get me. It's a snail. What's it gonna do? Walk? It's not gonna do anything. I'm He's fine. Sleeping with the fishes. Well, so see, that's the idea, right? Yeah. If you trap it in a box and then cover it in cement and just keep piling on layers, it doesn't matter how super intelligent you are. If you don't have the tools to get out of that situation, you're boned anyway. And they say immortal. They don't say indestructible. So I'll smash the bitch. All that's left is his consciousness. Then he can't touch me. We, we, if we want to wax philosophical on that, I will whip out my big brain. And that's <laughs> <laughs> not where I thought it was going, but <laughs> oh god, we'll move on to our next question. Uh, that was a hell of a way to start off the show. I'm glad I ended up asking that. Uh, this one comes from Cameron Cole. Now, Cam, no disrespect, there is one reason as to why I brought up this particular question on the show. He asked, What is the worst sports take you remember hearing? And the answer is the dude, I think, from Barstool who said uh, back in July when the Blackhawks got Seth Jones that this team was going to essentially coast their way to a Stanley Cup. Yeah, was that Chief or whatever? <laughs> I mean, it's Barstool. Know, we can't expect somebody. good takes, but yeah. Yeah. Sorry. And no, you go. Yeah, so. Uh... <laughs> You've probably heard plenty over there in Leafland. <laughs> oh, my God. I saw. Someone say that the Leafs should get more black people on the team because Wayne Smith was the first black person to score, black person, first the color to score uh, on their team since like the, the 80s or whatever. It was something like that. I'm like, you really want to get get more of a diversity quota? I mean, I guess we kind of got Hosang. So if, if, if that's what they wanted, then sure. That was the weirdest take I've ever seen, personally. Yeah. Okay, my worst sports take that I remember hearing. <laughs> what a segue. There's, there's been a lot, man. But He's thinking. I am I'm thinking this one's actually hard cuz there are a lot of crappy ones, but it's hard not to go with the most recent ones. Um Make it shark centric if you have to. Might be easier. I mean, that's the thing, right? Here's, here's, it's, it's I think weird. here's the point. Yeah. There are so many shit takes that it's tough to think of just one specifically. Yeah, that's, that's what the issue I'm having. I'm like, For which it. one is the worst? Like, how do I even choose? <laughs> For example, I attacked this question on to the end of the show when we were going to talk about the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, but friend of the show, former guest of the show, uh, one Mr. Alex Don asked me, am I rethinking my central division rankings after having the Blackhawks so high? Uh, on top of that, of course, I said the Seattle Kraken were going to be really good. So, um, you know, I'm my owner of some, uh, some pretty shit takes myself. <laughs> so, we all, <laughs> well, nobody bats a thousand, mm -hmm. right? You know what? I'm going to throw some shade 
like we did last week at the uh and I, this is actually going to tie into the nhl video game here's one of the worst sports take i takes i ever have Go is people it. who tell me in a year when i'm in a franchise mode that a trade i make is realistic and i'll do give an example they told me three nhl 17 trading patch will never happen this is unrealistic and i said look we're three years in if you think the Habs are going to be in this cup-winning position three years in and not looking to sell, you're crazy. People hated me for it, but that is the worst take I had. Angry Habs fans in my mention telling me that there's no way Pacioretty's ever going to be traded. There's you know, no way that Carey Price at some points won't, won't be looking to get moved or something like that, and Shea Weber's going to be there forever and all this stuff. And it often ties into that. It's like, yeah, people's idea of like realism and what could actually happen, it is so fluid from every three like year to year but honestly yeah, in three-year periods stuff like that so those are some of the worst uh, sports takes i've ever heard as people uh putting in their own realism factors uh to me in my franchise modes and it's just you, you can't there's no such thing as as realism even in the even in real life i think you know obviously i've had my fair share of uh of those interactions as well and i think we can safely say after suban and weber were traded one for one and then everything that the Vegas Golden Knights have done since, uh, yeah, there's no such thing as an unrealistic trade yeah. in, for the most part in terms of what can actually happen. Uh, our final question as well, or a little bit of a warm-up here. It comes from friend of the show, one Mr. Richard Head. Not his legal name. Or is it? <laughs> uh, tell us about a time you met an athlete in person, and was it cool? Boys, either of you got a story to start this off with, or should I go ahead with mine? You can go ahead. I go got a for couple. It. All right. Yeah. So, um, I went to. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, there, there was a couple of times. There was a couple of times. Now, uh, let's see. There was the time that I went to a WWE house show in Bangor, Maine. Shout out to Banger, <laughs> and uh, went to a restaurant afterwards. I'm sitting at a table. And I look at the doorway. I'm looking right at the doorway. And then all of a sudden, time slows down. And who walks through the door? John Cena. And I, I swear you to saw God. Him. I look him. You saw him. I, look in, I <laughs> actually saw him. saw him. I couldn't believe it. I looked him dead in the eyes, Sin. And we gave a head nod. And then all of a sudden, the entire restaurant turns to look who's at the door. This place lost their, they collectively lost their fucking minds. You have people on the phone, get the fuck down here, John Cena's here, you gotta get here. I have never seen someone get swamped like that. It was, it was outrageous. And then the flip side of that is I went to an independent wrestling show in Pennsylvania, and afterwards we went to a Red Robin, and a bunch of the wrestlers walked in, and nobody knew who the fuck they were except for us, <laughs> and that was fun. Like I say, you saw John Cena again. It wasn't, no, I've, I've only seen him once, and even to this day, I don't know if I've actually seen him, you know? It could yeah. have been an imposter, but... Oh my god, I wanted to play, yeah. uh, I, had, I have it on my stream deck right now, I just want to hit the button. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> DMCA, DMCA. You're fine. Uh, story from either one of you two, if you got them. Go for it, son, if you have one. Yeah, um, I have a bunch, and obviously it mostly revolves around the sharks. Um... This is the most recent one, and I'll go with this one. It was the one of the last Sharks games I went to with my dad before I had moved up. Um, or actually, it might have been I traveled down there. It doesn't matter. Anyway, it was a couple years ago. I was, we were walking to our seats, and uh, 
just randomly because he works with the team now. Uh, Douglas Murray is just walking next to us all of a sudden. Like we're just we're walking all of a sudden next to us. There's this big old dude next to me in a suit. I look up like just kind of offhandedness and I do like a double take and it's Douglas Murray. And I have to stop and tell him like how awesome it was to watch him play and stuff like that. He's really, really nice. And he was like, he's like, just, yeah, just a really, really awesome dude. And nice to talk to you. Just chatted for a couple minutes. Obviously didn't want to take his time. Plus wanted to get to my seats and watch some people who played hockey still. Uh, no, but just, <laughs> seriously, it was, it was nice. Yeah. I've had a lot of instances with that. And it's just, it's just really cool. Cause a lot of them, if you, especially if you're just chill with them and just like, just talk to them, like they're really down to earth people. They're just, well, obviously there's fucking human. Like we are. Yeah, hundred percent. And no, you got anything? Um, well, I did talk recently on the podcast about how I had I shot that promo with uh, hmm. uh, it was Doug Gilmore. No, yeah, it was Doug Gilmore, uh, Mark Messier, and Guy Carbonell. I remember meeting like my first big celebrity that I kind of met uh, was Chris Bosch, um, and his tall, literal Toronto Raptor self. I was, I think, it was six or seven, and <laughs> he was getting his hair done at a salon nearby my place uh, where, I, where I live, my neighborhood. And I went down to go see him and I wanted him to sign my basketball. When I was going into it, I was like, yeah, I'm going to ask him so many questions. I'm going to ask him like all oh, this, like how to get started. What's the best thing to do? Because I'm like super short. And he's like a giant, like a giraffe. And uh, I go there and I have him sign my ball. I'm completely dead silent. Like like no words, no nothing. Like I, I just froze. It was like the first time I was like starstruck, like starstruck by someone just like completely like at that level of an athlete. It was weird. Yeah, that's 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 my first uh, celebrity. But the most recent one, um, I don't even know. Like, I haven't really met a lot of recent ones. I think the most recent one would probably be um, uh, when I oh, hold on. What was the question again? Like, most recent so, like hockey no, player, like you athlete met an athlete. Or? I mean, it was athlete. athlete. Okay, it athlete. wasn't cool. Yeah, it was just cool. just keep flexing though on yeah. everyone you've met. Everyone I met. Yeah, I did the promo. <laughs> that's it. And I got free lace chips for like a year. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. For those not in North America, those are walkers. <laughs> walkers. I don't know. I don't even know. We're trying to make the show appeal to a broad audience. I don't know. So um, yeah. Don't want- hey, anyway. Yeah, there you go. Only a couple of uh, questions this time out. Again, we got a lot to talk about today, but of course, as always, I post on Twitter before we go live with a show. Not so much live, but before we record. And of course, again, the Discord is out there. Very, very easy to find the link to that. Gentlemen, shall we move on to specifically talk some stick puck? And we have to start off... Uh, this show today by shouting out uh, an article on the Players' Tribune that went out this morning uh, that was written by former Nashville Predator and uh, Colorado Avalanche uh, member in Colin Wilson. Uh, First and foremost, highly recommend everybody read this article in general. Uh, And it really does kind of represent the the next step down the path uh, that we've seen over the last little bit. On this show, we've talked about uh, Robin Leonard's comments on player safety, mental health, and so on and so forth. Of course, recently as well, we had to talk about the unfortunate passing of one Jimmy Hayes. Right. 
And even now, in, in kind of that spectrum of overall player health, you have someone like Anders Nilsson, uh, who has been talking in the media over in Sweden about feeling as though he wasn't being protected uh, by Senators team doctors after what uh, you know uh, after suffering what has essentially become a career-ending concussion in the 1920 season. Like so much of this keeps coming out. It's being a lot more, uh, you know, it's been a lot more prevalent in the news cycle, and. It's almost been a year to the day. I looked it up. It was on October 29th of 2020. Uh, Wilson originally released an article uh, revealing that he has OCD. And in this particular article now, he's talked more so about something that he left out uh, of that initial article. And that would be his struggles with substance abuse and mental health while being an active NHL player. Um, and there's a specific quote here because I really I, I don't want to go too much into this. I do think it is worth reading here. But when we talked about the passing of Jimmy Hayes, we talked about how this could sort of be you know uh, something that opens up somebody's eyes, you know, a fellow player to be able to talk about their experiences and maybe it leads to bigger and better things. And this is a quote from that Colin Wilson article uh, stating. And when I saw the story in the Boston Globe about Jimmy Hayes' autopsy, everything that I'd suppressed about my own addiction came flooding into my mind. I'm two and a half years sober, and in a way, I guess I thought I had beat it, but you never beat it. You just live with it. And what happened to Jimmy, it could have happened to any of us. It could have happened to me. I think, again, what we discussed in terms of Jimmy Hayes' passing and the conversations that could come out of it, you have another instance here too. And I do want to put forward uh, the point as well that it does not matter if you are a professional athlete. It does not matter if you are a Twitch streamer. It does not matter if you are just a, a regular person working your nine to five. Man, you got to talk to people. You got to be open and honest. And, you know, the, the best way... I, I can think to do this is another small quote from this article uh, where Wilson mentions, I've had OCD for as long as I can remember. It's a severe case that impacted my life, my hockey career, and everything in between. I had these intrusive thoughts that pushed me into dark corners of my mind where I no longer knew who I was and, or, uh, and what I wanted to be. To that point, I've as well, you know, I've had that, you know, I've made that choice of being as open and honest as I can about my particular struggles in that sense. That is why I started on YouTube and on Twitch. In a way, it's like, okay, number one, this is good for me to kind of have more of a positive creative outlets. But secondly, I remember I had some down times. Where did I turn? I turned to YouTube and watched certain content creators. And I'm like, okay, this at least gets me into an okay spot mentally for the moment. And now in the six or seven years that I've been doing this, right, I've had the opportunity of people approaching me and saying like, hey, I watch your shit when I'm in a, a, a weird spot. So it does mean a lot to me now, you know, for that reason. And to see someone like Colin Wilson and other, I mean, God, whether it be athletes, actors, whoever, just the continued change in how open and honest people have been. That's not to say you have to be as open as someone like me, where I've been like, oh, yeah, hey, look, Colin Wilson mentioned intrusive thoughts. I've been dealing with that since I was five, and for anyone who doesn't know what that essentially means, you can be sitting, you know, having dinner with your family, and then all of a sudden your brain's just like, boy, wouldn't that suck if you got in a car accident on the way home? And then all of a sudden you're like, now my fucking day is ruined. What the hell? Yeah. Um, we're recording this on a Monday because I'm not going to be home Tuesday. I'm going down to Boston on Wednesday. And 
have I just randomly had my mind be like, hey, boy, wouldn't that suck to not make it because something might happen? Like, you know, to have someone like Colin Wilson just be like, hey, man, I have this shit happen to me too. That it's going to help somebody and it's going to reaffirm to someone like me, maybe to someone like you that, hey, this is a normal thing in a way that happens to so many people. So again, I implore each and every one of you, the Players, uh, Players Tribune article uh, written today by Colin Wilson, absolutely check that out. Um, Sin, I'll turn it over to you first if you have any thoughts. Otherwise, we'll go to Endo before moving on to our next topic. No, just kind of echo what you said that I did at times, you know, when I was towards the end. Well, not even towards, no, towards the end. I, start, I still started YouTube. I was still drinking, actually, when I started YouTube. I didn't get a whole lot done at that time from about 2014 to 2016, uh, 2017 when I, you know, was all sober. That's when I started getting serious about it. But yeah, I mean, same sort of thing. Like, you know, you, uh, you become that. And then once you kind of come into yourself, uh, you start getting a lot of those comments, especially when you start talking openly about what you go through people, you know, telling you how much you help them and how nice it is to hear you talk about it because it gives them the sort of strength that they can talk about it, whether it be with their friends, you know, therapists, someone get that off. So it's just, you know, great to keep seeing that torch sort of being passed from like person to person, you know, someone who has some sort of influence like Colin Wilson does or like Toogie does. And, you know, it's, you help someone out along the way and, and that's awesome. And I also just want to give big congratulations and shout outs for two and a half years sober for Colin Wilson, man. That's huge. And uh, I hope he keeps on it. And yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'm not really sure I can add much to that. Um, Cause that's everything you guys said has been spot on so far. Um, it's all about starting the discussion. And I know a lot of people are usually afraid of feeling weak, feeling as if they don't really need the support in some way, but it's okay. Everyone has their own issues. Everyone has their own thing to, to talk about or things that are bothering them. And I, I'm really grateful that people are now feeling more comfortable, especially in the NHL space, to talk about what's going on and discuss what, how they're feeling, how they're going through certain things. It, it's, it's something that I think, like I said like last time, was that we needed for a while. And I'm, it's unfortunate that it's come to this circumstance that it ha- it's, it, this is starting to happen. But I'm glad that this is a big step going forward. That people are becoming more open with certain things. Yeah, and there's always yeah, there's me. always someone who is willing to listen for you. There's always somebody. That was something that uh, Wilson mentioned in that article, and why he didn't bring it up last year was the whole thought of: Am I gonna be weak? Am I okay with the idea of putting these ideas out there and being a little bit vulnerable because of that? Um, so yeah, it's, it's just, it's tremendous that he was able to, uh, find that courage, take that step and get all this out there. So again, I highly recommend checking out that article. Another talking point that we have is kind of along the lines of, uh, players health and it's the continued story that will not go away. Elliot Friedman had this to say uh, a few days ago. I think that sometime in the next week, two weeks max, the sense I'm getting is if there's not a trade or an agreement between the Sabres and Jack Eichel on his medical path, I think you're going to see Eichel file a grievance to see if he can move things along. The idea of this just being deadlocked likely isn't to stand, is how I take this, right? Because we we kind of postulated, like, man, can the Sabres just freeze this guy out until he gives in? But obviously, like, the NHLPA, I don't really think would be willing to go along with that. And, man, something's got to give, 
right? And it's it's a shame, too, because you look at the start of this season for the Buffalo Sabres, and the 3-0 and start that they had, the fact that they're 3-1-1 and now, in a way, I don't know if Sabres fans can truly enjoy it, because one, they expect that, of course, the wheels are going to fall off and they'll finish towards the bottom of the standings, but two, you still have this entire Eichel situation constantly uh, overhead. Yeah. Like, you cannot escape the shadow that this situation is casting on the entire organization. And I think for a lot of Sabres fans, like, obviously most of them will be happy if it's okay. Hey, they came to an agreement. Eichel gets the surgery that he needs. There's a newfound trust and he'll be back. But even then, you'd still have the question of, oh, well, when his contract is up, he's definitely gone or something like that. Even though, of course, uh, Jack Eichel has signed... Uh, what, four more years? I think it's four more years after this one. His deal is up at the end of 2026. So I just can't help but think still a lot of Sabres fans would just prefer that some sort of trade happens and that, um, you know, a new era moves on. And we'll talk more about the Sabres here very soon. But we've been waiting, what, five months at this point for some sort of resolution with the Eichel situation, and literally nothing has happened. Oh man, it's it's worrisome. I'm surprised that the NHLPA has taken this long to step in. Um, considering the magnitude of the situation, there's probably stuff we don't know about. It's the only stuff that we know, we're hearing about now. But I'm surprised that it's been going on for this long. Uh, I'm surprised that they won't trade him. I'm surprised they don't do anything. They're just holding him like a hold and secure. It's just, I don't know. It's just, it's it just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I, I actually kind of find it a little gross, honestly. Just yeah. the fact that the a team, your employer, has that much power over you. I mean, I understand the whole, you know, they're paying millions of dollars and it's a player and it's a product. But, like, the same time, it's also a fucking human being. And, again, this isn't just about his playing career. This is about his quality of life for the rest mm-hmm. of his life. His playing career maybe into his 40s that's still only half of your lifetime and considering you only start playing hockey at 18 really uh, let's say you play hockey for like a quarter of your life if you're extremely lucky that leaves three other quarters and you're gonna want for the that second half you're gonna want your fucking spine intact you're gonna want it it's just crazy to me that the issue is like him not being able to get what kind of everyone knows is the right treatment. And I don't know what the fuck is going on with Buffalo and why they think it's, it's not, but yeah, it's, it's kind of gross to me that this is what's holding it up. And I hope like hell that he gets out of that situation and hope like hell that's a wake, wake up calls for ownership, but we, we never really seen ownership uh, face consequences and learn stuff. Um, <laughs> so I doubt it. We'll talk more about that yes, in a we little will. bit here, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the other talking points that came up uh, news today as well, in the realm of hockey cards, I wanted to mention this because I have a question. Um, it was announced the NHLPA and the NHL agreed to a long-term trading card license extensions uh, with Upper Deck. NFT is included. <laughs> NFTs aren't dead yet? No. no they, well, I mean, they were never alive. They're only People are only saying they're alive. Yeah, I have, just... I have, I have like ten million worth saved on my phone. I mean, I can't resell them, but I, I, I show them, I show them to the NFT guys, and I'm like, look, I own these, and like, no, you don't own them. Anyway, it's it's very entertaining. So the entertainment yeah. value is there. 
I just feel like NFTs were like the suit. NFTs were uh, along the same lines as Squid Game. Where it's just like, okay, this is really it's big. It's kind of worse, though. And I'll yeah. explain in a sec because I do have some insight in that. But you guys get your thoughts out. But I just please. I just don't understand. Like, it just, to me, when I see, I'm already at the point where I see NFTs mentioned. And I'm just like, huh, people are still talking about those, huh? Yeah. Because it really did seem like a six-month-ago super popular thing. Like, what were the super popular things six months ago? NFTs and NBA Top Shot. And it's like, Dude, I've gone like six months dropped. without hearing about them. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, shit, the NFT, don't worry, we're still announcing stuff about NFTs. And I'm just like, huh, that, that's still that's still a thing. Oh my god. I don't know. Good good for Upper Deck, though, to keep the licenses. We'll continue our young guns hunting, I guess. Huh? <laughs> yeah, honestly, um, I'm, I'm surprised that it's still relevancy. I've always called NFTs um, hot cards uh, for adults. Because that's what it basically kind of seems like. <laughs> it's it's so ludicrous, and like I I just don't know, man. <laughs> it, it, I understand like the, the the purpose of it, but it just sounds like open money laundering. That's what it just sounds like to me. Yeah, especially with um with how recently a unopened sealed card of Mario uh Super Mario sixty four sold for like almost like a, over like a million dollars and it's like the highest selling like game sale for like collection or whatever it was like um, over a mil and i'm like that's kind of that's kind of sketch something's not right here especially with was it one of the paul brothers and his and he had that charizard and that was sold for like mm. like five hundred thousand or whatever like that sounds like money laundering like everything just it, it's getting to the point where i think everything that's happening is just Oh, we're doing it behind doors. Let's just do it in front of people's faces and they won't even bat an eye. Yeah, I mean, you're kind of on the right track. That along with a lot of modern art is a mm. modern launder. But it's even easier to money launder through NFTs because cryptocurrency is essentially an unregulated market. Um, yeah. And it's very, very difficult to trace. A lot of uh, child credit, you know, all that kind of stuff. All, all the nefarious dark web shit that you hear about, all, all dealt with now through cryptocurrency. So as nice as cryptocurrency has been, there is this huge dark side to it. That being said, there's that to everything. However, when it comes to NFTs, what you're paying for, you're not actually paying to own this thing because you can't. And they, someone actually kind of realized that you're essentially owning a link that says you own it. So it's like yep. you have this autograph thing that you own. That's essentially it. I'm trying to break it down. And if any hardcore NFT people come and understand I'm simplifying right now for some people who might, might be out there have no clue what we're talking about. This is kind of what you're paying for. And it's the thing. It kind of brings up the question, you know, what's the concept of ownership? What's the concept of value? How do you own something that exists only in the metaverse? You can't really. So it's this weird honor system except in that it's just a lot of dishonorable people who are just trying to make a quick buck or who are, like you said, are money laundering or who are running scams, Ponzi schemes, everything. So it is a fad. Um, that being said, I literally make my income by trading pieces of paper, essentially, on the stock market. It's the same kind of thing. However, the stock market's been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. If, if NFTs make it by five years and are still good, maybe I'll take them seriously. But for right now, not only is it destructive as hell for the environment, it's uh, it definitely just seems like one of those. Uh, it kind of seems like a beanie baby situation 
Again, I'll take it oh, seriously God, if it lasts, man. but I don't. I only trust my main income sources to shit that's not going to just disappear in the blink of an eye, or that can get scammed away from me. So tangible, keep it tangible. Yeah. There you go. Uh, in terms of hockey, I guess like more specific hockey-related <laughs> topics. To be able, well, I mean, it was, it was a hockey topic, but also no. just the concept of NFTs yeah. to begin with and making their way a little bit more to the hockey side of things. Like, yeah, yeah. You get me in the finance is is. side of me. I, I start going on tangents, so bring us back to I topic. you will. <laughs> uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning reacquired forward Alex Beret-Boulet on waivers Ow. after losing him to Seattle on waivers. As Sin said, how? <laughs> how did this happen? How do a team... Now, granted, you know, uh, in terms of what the uh, waiver wire is, I forget how consistent it's updated. Yeah, that's what is I was going I can't remember if it's just on that day, whatever the reverse order is, is what it would be. But regardless... How does a team like Arizona not go, yeah, we'll take them? Because regardless, you know they were towards the bottom of the standings last year. They're at you know 31st right now, one of two teams that had a win so far this season. Sorry, Deke Slayer. Uh, how, how does a team like Arizona not claim them to Are begin they with? max contract or something? That's the only thing I can think of. I, I just, I don't even know. I don't even know. I sat there, and you don't want to talk about hot takes and getting it wrong. What's the worst take you've heard? Me saying Beret Boulet would be the uh, Jonathan Marcheseau of the Seattle Kraken because they let him go <laughs> in like two weeks. <laughs> God damn it, Seattle. Just trying to ruin whatever credibility I have, which to be honest probably isn't much, but... Uh, maybe maybe, maybe Tampa it, Bay tanked so they could get Beret Boulet back. Maybe they lost those first couple games. Oh, let's, let's dig deep now. Kudrop no. back on LTIR, tanking to get Beret Boulet back. <laughs> Trading for Jack Eichel and putting him on LTIR too, so that he and Kucherov come back for the playoffs. It's going to happen. Watch everybody. that happen! Oh my god! Oh no! That's my new take. <laughs> I'll die on that hill. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh god! And uh, the other general talking point here before we kind of get into the past couple days worth of games. Uh, it is related to the Sharks as they traded forward Dylan Camprell to the Ottawa Senators for a seventh-round pick this year. Uh, really just kind of a change of scenery move for him. Since I looked at Dylan Gambrell and I'm like, man, this is a player that did really, really, really well in college. Mm -hmm. And it just hasn't translated at the NHL level. Yep. Why, in your opinion, given that you watched him game in and game out on the Sharks? Yeah, um... It was just kind of one of those situations where he can't really play in the bottom six. Sometimes he can, sometimes he can't. He seems to be stuck between skill guy and a guy who can create energy, and it just seems to be what kind of mood he's in. Um, but here's the thing. The Sharks were a terrible team last year, and he couldn't necessarily stay on that roster. The Sharks, here's what's interesting. The Sharks put Jasper Weatherby in that 4C role. You know, they have... Uh, you know, Gambrell, they traded him. He passes through waivers several times already, by the way. So the fact we get is, which is our own seventh back, by the way, this is one of the sevenths, I think, from another trade or maybe even that Carlson. No, no, it's from when we got like Jaros or something. Anyway, it's our own seventh back, which is hilarious. And uh, but yeah, it's he just was kept getting pushed out. What I kind of liked about this trade is they, you know, they see Jasper Weatherby play for four games. He gets yet another goal. And then <laughs> immediately they're like, all right, we don't need Dylan Gambrell anymore. We 
see the future. So if that if that was indeed like your thing for Dylan Gambrell, bottom six center, he's not really going to be that guy. We had the hopes that he could turn into, you know, maybe a middle six guy, maybe a guy in the power play, but he just couldn't produce. He couldn't get that production going. And that's what it comes down to. You can have all the great stats and juniors of college that you want, but if you can't find confidence at the NHL level, then you're not going to perform. And that just sort of seems to be what happened with Gamperell. He had a lot of different chances in good roles on the Sharks team when we were stretched thin and, you know, couldn't really do it. You were correct, by the way. It was uh, the Christian Yaros trade for Jack Kopaka and a seventh. Yeah. And they now get that seventh back. So, yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting trade. It was really a late night kind of trade, too, that when the news yeah. came down about it as well. Uh, so with that, no better time to segue into our kind of day-by-day breakdown here. And we start off on Friday, Endo Mills. We start off, <laughs> for those watching the video portion on YouTube, uh, nice swig of the beverage. We start off on Friday as the San Jose Sharks move to 4-0 by defeating the Toronto Maple Leafs 5-3 in Toronto. And the way I view this game as a neutral, and obviously I'll give you both the talk, you know, give you both time to talk about this game. But the way I view this game as a neutral, uh, the Leafs just couldn't really get much ground. Like the Sharks got super quick counter goals after the Spezza and Kasha strikes. Uh, you had that sick Eric Carlson slap shot goal, which I mean, again, to see Eric Carlson playing with confidence again. Um, I, I can see Sin trying to withhold a smile as <laughs> I it can't. is. Keep going. Do it. Um, Do it. I don't care. Finally, finally getting what we pay for. <laughs> I'm well, glad, honestly. Almost, for the Leafs <laughs> side of things, it was an incredibly rough game from Michael Hutchinson. Uh, and it culminates with the jersey being thrown on the ice for the Leafs. And it culminates for the Sharks. And I'll turn it, I'll turn it over to, to Sin first here. Logan Couture was quoted in saying this after the game. And when talking about the Sharks' 4-0 start, quote, the dressing room has been as good as it's been in a long time. Boy, Sin, why might that be the case? I mean, at this point, they're all but saying the obvious that we all know. But as much as it's a message to the public, it's also a message to management is what yeah. they're what mm-hmm. they're repeatedly saying at this point. It's like, you know, they, they now know it's a 21 game suspension. They now know he is allowed to come back. We're going to keep hearing these sort of read between the lines uh, quotes and the lines are going to keep getting thinner and thinner and thinner and thinner as they as we get closer to that. It's, it's, it's completely obvious. I mean, anyone can tell the Sharks team. No one expected them to do this after the last couple teams. Uh, even, even maybe even I mean some of them probably expected it, but it's 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 quite odd when it was a year where last couple of years we said okay all these things have to fall in place if the Sharks want to do good. I said the same before this season. The thing is, all those things have fallen into place. Uh, Carlson's done better. Meyer, LeBanc are bouncing back. Speaking of LeBanc, what the hell he, kind of shot does he have now? It's a laser beam and. If they're just playing with this confidence. They, you can see that they care about each other. They're happy to be there, and some those are things that have been missing. So yeah, it's it's clearly that the culture is recovering. The culture, and nature is healing. Uh, we'll say it's and yeah, it's quite obvious that Evander Kane is indeed um, the big hindrance in a locker room, which uh, 
you know, we I was I was again, I was pulling for him. I really wanted him to turn the corner, but apparently he didn't want that. And here we go. Back to uh him at being this, a nuisance. At this point, do you think he ever plays another game for the Sharks? Absolutely not. And if he does, it's a huge organizational mistake and that'll get people fired. I don't yeah. care what it takes. I agree. Tell him to go home. Throw him through fucking waivers. He cannot step foot in that locker room ever again. Especially Especially not around Jasper Weatherby, William Eklund, all these other young guys. He cannot bring his mentality into there. They cannot see that. I mean, it was already kind of enough. Timo Meyer was one of the closest one to him. And Timo Meyer had such a crap year last year. There's all kinds of reports of him spending a bunch of time on Tinder, trying to sleep around with all kinds of girls in the Bay Area. I don't know how true those are, but I know a lot of females and a lot of them, uh, a couple of them had interactions with him on an app. So, yeah. I'll got to stay focused, Timo. You yes. got to stay focused yeah. now. And I'll turn it over to you. We will talk more about the Leafs because this was not the uh, worst loss of the weekend. Um, your thoughts on this Sharks game, especially, and, and more so the idea of this was game five and a jersey was thrown on the ice. And we haven't seen that for, I, I don't know, maybe it's happened but you identify the jersey on the ice or the, the waffles or pancakes on the ice uh, with the, the the before Matthews era. Your thoughts on the jersey being thrown? Um, I just want to say it's really funny how uh, someone sitting in the front row, like front, basically ice level, throws a Fanatics jersey on the ice. You have enough money to sit there. Why are you going to buy a... No offense to fanatics. You're gonna you're gonna buy a lesser quality version. You you got enough money. You can walk in that pro shop, probably buy two sweaters that, that there right then. Anyway, back on back on um topic. I I that game I was like, okay, you know what? It's it's week one, it's week two, it's fine, it's good, whatever. But then what happened later on we'll get to. Just I don't even know what we're gonna do with this team anymore. Uh, it seems like the top guys are getting paid to show up night and day are not showing up night and day. I know Matthews is finally getting back in and it's like a second game, but I don't know what is going on. It's like the exact opposite of what's going on with the Sharks. The Sharks are are working together. They're happy, happy, joy, joy. Locker room's great. But the, the amount of pressure that's on that team, I don't know what's going to happen. I was thinking about this before the podcast. It's, I don't know if like that team's going to be good for a while. Like it's it's the beginning and it's it's rough, but I don't know if that team's gonna gel in the current way because they already know pressure's on them, pressure's going. Uh, I can tell it's like a it's like a cooking pot in there a little bit. I think they need like one game. I think they just need one one game where they just light up the score, and I think everyone on Leafland will be able to shut up for a bit. But I don't know when that game's gonna be or if it's gonna come soon enough. Because I know heads are going to well, roll. We, we can, we'll can we be talking more about the Leafs here soon, but there are two things to note. Um, number one, they'll play Chicago later this week. Oh, that could but, be good or bad. Uh, the Hurricanes announced this on Twitter about two hours ago. Uh, the Canes play the Leafs tonight, as in Monday night, October 25th. David Ayers will be in the building for the Hurricanes as their official siren sounder before the start of that game. Really milking this shit. As the Canes not only trying to antagonize the shit of the Habs fans, but they are going right back at Leafs fans 
at a time when confidence in the Leafs is maybe not at an all-time low, but pretty close. Yeah, this is like tur- it's like twisting the knife, basically, with them bringing David Ayers back for this. I feel like they're going to bring him back or reference him whenever the Leafs come to town. And that doesn't, that's very annoying. I mean, that's I get that I get that they're they're um they're a bunch of jerks, but God, you're... you remember who signed Tony D'Angelo? I do. Yeah, I, I remind the Canes of that every time they come out with one of their little troll t- tweets. I don't care. Well, I mean, it's funny because a, a Hurricanes fan responded to the uh, David Ayers news, and it's true. Like. We talked about how it felt like the bunch of jerk stuff was really played out and wearing thin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's because, honestly, it it feels as though their team owner and Tom Dundon is trying very, very, very hard to build rivalries. Constantly antagonizing Nashville on Twitter about the banners, going after the Leafs. Like, it's very clear that it's like, oh, we need to get rivalries so we can get spotlight games on yeah. ESPN. I completely agree with Canes fans that have that take that this is uh, not not exactly an organic thing yeah. anymore. I tried with but... uh, Washington, too, for a while. And I know all my Washington Capitals fans, friends are like, why do you guys want to be a rival so bad? It's like you're like a little brother. Like we played in the playoffs once. Who cares? Yeah. You know what it is? I think um, I think the uh, the 20 to 22 year old who's running our social media needs to calm down and just, you know, just 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 be chill. Oh. I mean, just social media is a tool. All, all social media really is is a mirror. And so it just shows people it's it is, you know, you see in it what you what you see in yourself sometimes and or, you know, or you see in society what society sees in itself, essentially. But yeah, it's again, it's a tool like anything else. But yeah, it's there when, when they're choosing to try to like it's all about marketing and it's a very obnoxious form of marketing. I understand what they're trying to do, but at this, you can't, that's not sustainable. And I don't think they realize that. And it's, yeah, it's getting a, a look at Vegas, for example, really fucking cute in the beginning, like a little puppy and it grows up and it starts shitting all over the carpet. And you're like, all right, fucking got to train you up. And, but unfortunately you can't train <laughs> Vegas. There's, there's awful. But yeah. Carolina is sort of heading down to that direction. And with the organizational moves they've been making, you're kind of like, you kind of get to that point. You're like, all right, the whole puppy thing's worn off. You're kind of shitty. And yeah. Hmm. It's not cute anymore. Honeymoon period's uh, over. The Boston Bruins beat the Buffalo Sabres four to one. Uh, I believe that was yeah the Sabers' first loss of the season. Uh, the, the Sabers played so much better though than that scoreline would indicate. If somebody didn't watch the game, they'd be like, "Oh, the Bruins probably dominated." Buffalo Sabers are legit in terms of they try so hard, like they do not take a shift off. It just so happens that the Bruins have more talent on that current roster. Um, Tomas Nosek scored his first goal as a Bruin. Charlie Coyle had a phenomenal assist on that. Coyle also had a goal. So thank God Charlie Coyle's looking uh, decent so far this season after an abysmal season last year. And now, of course, the departure of David Krejci. And uh, it was Linus Allmark's debut for the Bruins after the first two games went Jeremy Swayman's way. And Allmark gets a win against his former team. So that was pretty solid. Uh, not too much controversy in that one, but we do move to a game that did. Uh, the Dallas Stars beat the LA Kings 3-2 in overtime. And this was highlighted by a, a knee-on-knee incident with Yanni Hockenpah and Drew Doughty. It was called a five-minute major and a game misconduct for Hockenpah. Uh, Doughty has apparently avoided uh, serious damage. There will be no suspension, 
And to be honest, I don't know if you boys recall the play, but I, I kind of agree with it. It looked more incidental, and that's how the rules should be. You know, you can judge intent, but there doesn't need to be intent for there to be a penalty. Yeah. And that's my argument with, like, headshots. Oh, I didn't mean to headshot him. Okay, well, you might not get suspended, but you still headshotted somebody. Get out of the game. Yeah. Like, that is how officiating should be, and it's refreshing to see the NHL actually get something right. And, again, it's very promising as well that Drew Doughty uh, is apparently not going to be hurt long term. Yeah, like, I read that there's no, like, actual ligament damage, which is absolutely massive for that situation, so especially, yeah. you know, where he is at uh, at the stage in his career. Um, yeah, just really good. I don't, you know, shouldn't have been a suspension on that. I feel like it's just an unfortunate collision penalty. Yes. You know, maybe you take a look at it just to make sure. But yeah, I, I'm glad that they actually came to the, the no suspension thing. I don't think there's anything malicious about that play at all. Yeah. And no intent. Um, it's a freak accident. Um, glad that nothing's really severe, really wrong with Dowdy, but, uh, yeah. Uh, I should know as well. Uh, Anze Kopitar reached six goals in four games wow. uh, in that particular contest. Yep. So he's on the warpath. Uh, Tyler Sagan finally scored his first goal for the Stars in that game. Dennis Gurionov did as well when he scored the OT winner. So Stars heating up a little bit. Um, the Edmonton Oilers are moved to 5-0 and by beating the Vegas Golden Knights 5-3. to uh, two goals apiece for Zach Hyman and Leon Dreisaitl in that game. And this was posted, I believe, after that particular game. So this might not ring true. But the fact that this rung true at one point is insane. And that was, after five games, Zach Hyman had more goals with five than Marner, Matthews, Tavares, and Nylander combined, who had three as of Friday nights. My God. Like, just, I mean, number one, it's been a slow start for Vegas, and we'll talk about that a little bit more later. There's another Vegas game to talk about, but the Edmonton Oilers are off to a flying start, and the conversation has already been brought up, like, oh, was Zach Hyman the missing piece for the Oilers? Maybe. <laughs> if he's going to keep looking this good. I mean, that, it's certainly, I'm still worried about their defense. Yeah. But in terms of, like, that forward group, there's maybe some depth issues, but at the top... There's really not too much you can be worried about at this stage now that Zach Hyman's in that lineup. And now they can split up Dreisaitl and McDavid five on five, and they are, and it seems to really be working a lot of the time. I mean, they have played – I'm sure they've played together at times. I haven't been able to watch all their games, but when I'm watching all the highlights at five on five, Dreisaitl centering his, centering his own line with like Liamamoto and – I think Nuge and then or and then it's McDavid with uh Yessi Pugliarvi and Hyman. Although Bull Hyman's party. been down been down with dry saddle at times. But yeah, it's I mean that top six is looking scary. And yeah. I'm I'm really happy for the Oilers. I'm I'm pissed as fuck that they're in the Pacific and I gotta deal with that. But I'm happy for them and their fans because you have a generational talent, and if, if things kept going down south, you were going to lose that generational talent, plain and simple, because he deserved to be on a winning team, and they weren't trending in that direction. These moves seem to be working out. I think the defensive end still kind of remains to be seen, but 5-0 and starts, hard to argue with. So Hyman fitting like a glove, and I mean, yeah, the production he's getting good for him, and uh, a little bit of a sixth sense of satisfaction that's making some... Uh, the more hardcore Leafs fans kind of unravel at the same time. Except for you, Endo. 
<laughs> no, I, I think I'm a more of a realist. I think Rahil was actually telling me this. He's like, you're at least like you're a Leaf fan, and then like I'm supposed to hate you, but you think rationally, so I can't hate you. I'm like, is that a compliment or not? He's like, take it out usual. That's yeah, not a compliment. It's good to be <laughs> rational. You don't want to be a complete homer and just insane. <sighs> well, speaking of irrational takes, uh, we move to Saturday's action, which kicks off really with the, a game between the New York Rangers oh, yeah. and the Ottawa oh, Senators. Boy. Uh, which ended by the score of 3-2, to two, the Rangers' fourth victory in six games to start the year. I will say this. The game was officiated rather poorly. At one point, the Rangers got away with six men on the ice in one of the worst missed calls I've ever seen in my life. Yep. There was also a moment earlier in the game where Chris Kreider completely boarded uh, Josh Norris. Yep. Um, you could have argued for a game misconduct there. And then the situation that happened would not have happened um, where on a goal, Kreider was in front of net. He tries to jump out of the way, ends up kneeing Matt Murray in the head, and Matt Murray suffers a concussion. I am not necessarily blaming people for looking at this Kreider incident in a negative way because Chris Kreider does have a reputation. If it was Brad Marchand, I'd say the same thing. I get it, although you can argue. Players like Marshawn, players like Kreider. Like Chris Kreider has four goals already in six games. Like That is a player who, yes, can sometimes step over the line, but has the skill to his game, obviously. The knee to the head of Matt Murray was completely incidental. Like It clearly wasn't intentional. But I can't blame Sens fans for being pissed when, like I said, you had the, the Norris incident earlier in the game. So um, a rough loss there. But, yeah, again, no... No intentional damage done from from Kreider, at least in the Matt Murray incident. Yeah, yeah. it I, it seemed as innocent as it could be for a concussion occurring on the play. I'm not trying to sound kind of, you know, uh, I don't know what the word is, but not trying to be like uh, indifferent. Yeah, there you go. Something something along those lines. Like I'm not trying to you know be that to it, but it's just you can't make more of that. It's unfortunate as hell it happens at a game of speed, but. Yeah, Murray kind of leaned one way while Kreider jumped into him, and it just was unfortunate. But yeah, it's you want to look at a hit, look at that one on Norris. That was near Landeskog level of boarding, and the fact that I don't think it got looked at at all, did it? I don't remember what the call on the ice was. I think there was a penalty on the play, but I also know that I think there was some more I mean, stuff there because I'm pretty DOPS, sure pretty shot. Did the DOPS look at it? I, I don't believe so. I don't yeah. think so. Yeah, that's what you, that's what you should so be that, mad that's about. That's what I'm like. Yeah, like, fuck it. It's so inconsistent. Like, you, you got to take a look at these things. And uh, that's what people just want. We just want consistency. And they still haven't found any. Consistency yeah. in my NHL? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> yeah, so very, um, very surprising there. I think that there wasn't anything else looked at. And if I'm not mistaken, I'm trying to see where the play happened, because it was towards the end of the third period, if I'm not mistaken, that particular boarding call. There was there was some weird stuff there. There were a lot of penalties actually called in that particular game. There were two different fights as well, so it was just kind of a, a crazy game there. Uh, the Calgary Flames beat the Washington Capitals 4-3 in overtime. Uh, Alex Ovechkin's up to five goals, which is nice, but more surprisingly, after a hat trick, Elias Lindholm has six goals. To start this season, elite score six goals in four games. 
Elias Lindholm, who, you know what's funny? Whenever we've talked about the Calgary Flames, and we're like, oh yeah, the big guys, like Sean Monahan and Johnny Goodrow. Elias Lindholm's in that conversation uh, yeah. and is a very good player. He does not get the respect he deserves. No. At all. I always forget he's there. Like, I just, for some reason, I always forget Elias Lindholm is on a roster. It was the same when he was in, where was it, Carolina for a minute? Was yeah, yeah, he was a part of the um, he was a part of the Hannafin trade. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I was. Well, wait, was it the Hannafin trade or the Hamilton trade? Because there were two different trades there. I gotta look this up. God, remember when um, Hannafin was supposed to be this elite defenseman? Oh boy. Whew. Well, he's he's still solid, but yeah. he's he's, he's no he's no Dougie Hamilton, uh, and specifically. Okay, so yeah, it was it was the oh, well the Hannafin and Hamilton traded the same thing. So it was June twenty third of twenty eighteen. It was Elias Lindholm and Noah Hannafin to Calgary for Michael Furland, Dougie Hamilton, and some defenseman who uh, decided not to sign with the Hurricanes named Adam Fox. Oh yeah! Imagine right. if Adam Fox elected oh. to stay in Carolina instead. Oh. Sorry, Canes fans, for bringing that I, up. But. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. Holy shit. He turned down Calgary and Carolina, goes to his home state of New York, and only wins a Norris in his second NHL season. <laughs> God damn. Talk about the fucking balls on you to turn down NHL contracts to go play at home, but then you absolutely live up to it. That's some swagger. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Completely. Um, we'll, we'll move on as well, I guess, here to the next game. Minnesota moved to 4-0, and beating Anaheim 4-3 in OT. Uh, shout out to, I mean, the Ducks, they're a tough team to beat. They're hanging around, so yeah. So far. They're, yeah. Like, Ricard Raquel had two goals to move his total up to four on the year. Like, they have suffered a big injury with Max Jones uh, being out long-term now, which is very unfortunate, and, you know, we wish him well in his recovery, but... Right. Um, I think it's four to six months with a torn pec uh, was the the surgery for him. Um, but Anaheim is, again, they're not there yet. They got a ways to go. But they're turning they're turning the page, yeah. right? Like, they're, they're two to three years away from maybe even being two more years, who's to say? Yeah. But, like, they're obviously, I, they're not going to be as historically bad for their organization as they were last year. Like, it's very clear that they're starting to turn the page. So I think Ducks fans have a a little bit more optimism and a little bit more to look forward to this year instead of just thinking, like, hey, it's a game, and we're probably going to lose again, which is which is nice. I mean, if, unless you can fully embrace the tank like Arizona or Buffalo, although LOL, because they've done well so far this season, <laughs> unless you can fully embrace the tank like you need something to look forward to, and they still have it with like Zegras and Drysdale, and obviously a lot of other younger guys around those two as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, Ducks. Whatever. I mean, I I was like, yeah, I, I don't expect gonna... you to say much positive about the Ducks. Well, I mean, I don't <laughs> mind them honestly. Uh, I, one of my good friends is a Ducks fan. I kind of got a soft spot for him for working with their organization a bit, but yeah, it's you know, I mean. I, they're actually scoring, so that's good for them. Yeah, they're making it a bit exciting. I can kind of see, you know, kind of some mirror similarities between them and the Sharks, just be able, being able to make the games exciting, make the games close, and it's just better that way. So that's good for their fan base. We'll move on as well to the Winnipeg Jets beating the Nashville Predators 6-4. to four. 
Uh, notable again for this ridiculous call to race. I'll continue to mention Philip Tomasino got his second goal. It was also a two-goal game for uh, Paul Stashney. Kyle Connor watch, because that's a segment I'm not going to let die. Uh, six goals in five games for Kyle Connor, uh, at least as of Saturday. So again, keep an eye out on Kyle Connor. I'm telling you, he might be able to compete for the Rocket Richard this year. And then we move to the Montreal Canadiens winning their first game of the season. Damn it, Detroit, you failed us all. Those memes were so good, and now they're gone because Detroit got beat 6-1 to as the Habs finally find some offense. You had a Matthew Perot natural hat trick. The first natural hat trick by a Habs player since November 19th of 2013 with the previously mentioned Max Pacioretty. And we get a question from noted Habs fan, a friend of the show, one Mr. Frosty Blizzard. Are we thinking the Habs win was a fluke, or are we looking at a turnaround sparked by the Perot hat trick? I mean... It's the Red Wings. It's the Red Wings, yeah. so it's a little bit fluky, but also they shouldn't be as bad as they yeah. are. So it's just... I don't know what to make of the Habs this year, but I'll continue to enjoy every time they lose yeah. because obviously I'm going to. Until they get Shane but. Wright and then we'll all hate it. Yay. And then, but. but then Shane Wright just needs to be like, you know what? I'm not playing there. Are you kidding? Canada, <laughs> trade me to Philadelphia or something. Pull an Adam Fox or as Sin alluded towards a Lindros yeah. and everything will be okay. But who's to say though, Sin? I mean, man, you, you know the uh, granted it's not so much for the players, but you know the insistent son. You know, hey, let's let's get a let's get a real French Canadian star here. It's very true. We'll take Tristan Leno or Nathan Gauthier with the oh yeah <laughs> the number yeah. one pick mid projected mid first round guys right now. Who's to say? Yeah. I mean, hey, we don't know which way they'll go. They took Mark Co- Niemi, who was projected mid first, and he's not even French. He sounds French. It's okay. We, that's that's our route right there. <laughs> he sounds French. <laughs> God. So yeah, Frosty, no idea. We'll see what happens with the Habs. Uh Colorado beat Tampa four to three in a shootout. Uh goals from the big three. Landis Cogrant and McKinnon. Steven Stamkos quietly has four goals on the year already. The reason why I wanted to bring this game up, did I get your takes on the Colorado Road jerseys? Because I feel like they are the worst jerseys in the league. I they keep adding more of that horrible blue, and I don't like it. And just the road jerseys, it's it's the blue pants with a white jersey that has a lot of maroon on it instead of the blue. And then the lettering's maroon, but the number's blue with the maroon outline. It's just... Blue I don't maroon. disagree with like, oh, hey, like the black on the jerseys might be a little bit outdated. Like the home jersey looks okay. Jesus Christ, Colorado. It is, it is the worst jersey in the league. I am sorry. I will take whatever the hell Minnesota did with their Winter Classic jersey. It is the worst jersey in the league, and I will not let it go. It feels like, like they're yeah. rebranding, but they're like they're not doing finished. it slowly. <laughs> yeah, it's like they're like they have a good concept. They're like, all right, let's add that. We'll just we'll we'll, we'll you know because they've had those very similar jerseys for a very very long time. So like, all right, yeah, they don't want to shock people's system. Let's slowly rebrand. I don't know. I it's just it's bizarre. I'm taking a look at it right now. That looks really weird. I'm not a fan. It's like they took the numbering and the colors of the numbers from the reverse retro jersey of the Nordiques. Right. But even then, it, just, it doesn't... 
slight homage. Doesn't work as well. Like, I don't know. Just just wear a Nordiques alt and you're fine. There you go. Just rebrand the Nordiques. Oh, yeah, that, Nordiques. I heard someone yeah, the say Colorado that. Nordiques. Yeah. I, I did hear someone say that like last season. Like, oh, with the color of the pants or whatever the hell turned it first. It's an homage to the Nordiques. I was just like, what the fuck? That, that's, what, was that not the what the reverse retro? Why are you paying homage to a team? I don't know. It's that's to a so team that weird. hasn't existed for 25 yeah, years. Yeah, and if you're going to pay homage, yeah. do the Wolf logo thing. That was We all if know that was real. pay homage to the Nordiques, stop being contenders. <laughs> Trade Nathan McKinnon. <laughs> Cut it out. Oh, God. Uh, the New Jersey Devils beat the Buffalo Sabres 2-1 in overtime. Notable... For the fact that goaltender Nico Dawes, at 20 years old, wins his first ever NHL game with a 960 save percentage. What a way. Uh, his parents were in attendance. We get one of our first really good feel-good moments of the year. And it wouldn't have been possible had Mackenzie Blackwood uh, <laughs> not gotten vaccinated. <laughs> He finally did, though. He got that first dose. Good for you. I'm glad your research paid off, Mackenzie. Good work. Can you just ask your mom? Um, but God, yeah, no, I mean, I'm sure he was breaking up the laptop. He was, I want to see that research paper. Uh, but yeah, dude, it was, it was awesome. Like, come on, a 20 year old goalie gets his first yeah. one in the NHL. Like, it's just, it's cool as shit. And for the Devils as well, obviously, there's, there's a lot going on in terms of young talent on that team as well. And again, it's another club where it's like, okay, you know, things go right for them. I'm not predicting playoffs this year, obviously, but they're not that far away. It's a gutsy win, too. Two to one in OT, like especially for a young goaltender. That's a tough one to win. And um, good for the Devils. It seems like I didn't watch the game, but it seems like they're probably, you know, at least playing some good defense for them. Could have given them a bit more goal support, but apparently the Sabres aren't, aren't too bad so far. So, yeah, just, you know, it's awesome, you know. It's have your parents there and 20 years old too. That's super young for a goaltender. Mm-hmm, and yeah. damn that performance. Hopefully we get to see more of him down the road and hopefully the devils don't uh, Carter heart him and bring him along too quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Nailed it. <laughs> Speaking of which. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> a tremendous segue. Sin's just, he's in his groove. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're wondering how long it would take for him to be like, okay, I, this is, I am on this show. I am not here as a guest. I am here. He's arrived. Uh, the Florida Panthers moved to five and zero, beating the Philadelphia Flyers four to two. Uh, you had Jonathan Huberto's first two goals of the year. Uh, and it's just been an amazing start for Florida, man. Again, five and zero. it is their best start in team history. And in that time, they've beaten Pittsburgh, the New York Islanders, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Colorado Avalanche, and, of course, the Flyers in those five games. That is not an easy schedule. Uh, Barkoff is six goals away as well, I should note, from being the team's all-time leading scorer. And they play the Coyotes tonight, so they'll be 6-0 very, very soon. Uh, On the flip side for the Flyers, Claude Giroux has three goals on the year now. Cam Atkinson has four, which looks like a tremendous pickup. Cam Atkinson's been great for them, but... How about those cats, gentlemen? Yeah. God damn. You know what? They're on the warpath this year already. We uh, kind of getting overlooked at times, especially when we talk about all the big players of that, and it's just something that brings me utter joy. Joe Thornton is a member of the Florida Panthers. Joe Thornton <laughs> is 5-0 and on the season. When he's not cup-checking people, he's in that locker room butt-naked inspiring everyone. So, yeah, here we go. <laughs> 
Those aren't floor. All right. That's- Title of the episode. We'll see if we can get away with butt naked inspiration. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Oh yeah. Oh. Let's go. God. Now I'll say this, and uh, obviously Joe Thornton was on the Leafs last year. Didn't quite go according to plan here. Yeah. In terms of getting Joe that cup. Yeah. He's got a pretty good chance now, though. Yep. How happy would you be for Joe Thornton? I mean, it's pretty cool. He won a Stanley Cup, and he's definitely played a long career. Uh, and yeah, I think he should get one. But uh, at the same time, you, you could you could say someone should get something until they work for it. And I I hope to God he gets one. Then yeah, too, retires okay. after the season and then goes right into the sunset. Play for H.C. Davis again. Boat. Goodness. Yeah, I think we're all on that boat at this point with uh, with old Jumbo. Um, okay, well, and uh, I, I wanted to give you a chance to talk positively about something before we moved on to the next game. That's the reason why I asked you about Jumbo. The okay. Pittsburgh you Penguins asshole. on Saturday night <laughs> defeated the Toronto Maple Leafs by the score of 7-1. to one. Probably the worst game we've seen from Jack Campbell in a Leafs uniform. Two goals scored from Logan O'Connor. Also saw a goal scored by Michael Matheson, Marcus Pedersen, Brian Boyle, Evan Rodriguez. Who, by the way, other... I believe was their one C that night. He was. <laughs> I was going to say, and other notable AHLers. <laughs> uh. As noted, the Leafs also played the undefeated Hurricanes tonight. Um, Pittsburgh, we can't really say anything that we um, that we haven't been able to say before in that it's ridiculous how they continue to find players where you're like, who the hell is that, and continue to win when star players yeah. go down to injury or if there are any other particular circumstances. And no, now is your time to shine. The Toronto Maple Leafs after Saturday and losing to the Penguins. The floor is yours. Trade Marner the Columbus. Trade Nylander for a bag of pucks. Trade oh, Matthews to trade Matthews to Arizona. Um trade uh <laughs> trade <laughs> trade back to New York. <laughs> no, but real really, realistically, I think um I don't know. Like I said earlier, I don't know what they're going to do. I really don't. It's like, do we hit the panic button? I don't know. I think we're getting close to, hey, what's going on? Like, when, like, if we don't win tonight against the, the Canes, I think there's going to be a big uproar from everybody. And it's like, you can't keep getting away with this. Like, this is, this is getting to a point where we're, we're like I have not I have no words. I'm trying to be the realist here and be like, oh, you know what? I'm gonna support my boys, but we're playing like ass. We're getting blown out by an AHL team, figuratively speaking. Like, what do you want what do you want to do? Uh terminate Hosang's contract and bring him up? I'm not gonna do anything. Because he's got no support. It's all the depth guys. In both of the games that we've just lost, Jason Spezza shows up. When the guys are getting paid like literally ten times more than he's getting paid, are not are not there are not present. I don't know what they need to do, but there needs to be I don't know a stern talking to. I maybe Dubas has to get the paddle out and be like, you know, boys, 
We got we got we gotta talk. There's something going on. Cause I got nothing. I got nothing. Obviously this is just a continuation of what's happened to them over the last five, six years. Like that's that's where a lot of people are like, it's only six games. What's the big deal? And you know, Steve Dangle said as much on, you know, his LFR about this. It's like it's because of what's happened and what's led up to this point that you get off to this bad of a start when Carolina's four and zero and Florida's five and zero. How long does Sheldon Keefe stay in the job? Because in a way, we would have thought maybe untouchable because he just signed a new deal, mm-hmm. but he goes before Marner's traded. He goes before Nylander's traded. He has to, even if it's not necessarily his fault. Something's got to give, mm-hmm. and it's much easier to get rid of a coach. And if there's any uh, ownership group that can afford to just pay Sheldon Keefe to not coach this team, well, they're already paying Mike Babcock still to this point. Right. It's the Toronto Maple Leafs. They can get away with just being like, oh, fuck it, go away, here's your money, whatever. Yeah, they'll just offload Do on Do you think Sheldon Keefe is still the head coach of this team a month from now? If they turn in the right. how you feel today. Part of me wants to say yes, but I have a feeling it's going to be no. Another thing, too, I want to address is um, someone on Twitter uh, said, you know, Tampa's 21st in the NHL, Toronto's 22nd, Colorado's 25th, and Vegas is 29th. Guess what? All these teams are elite and will likely be top 10, if not top 5 by the end of the year. It's only six games. You can't call the Toronto Maple Leafs an elite team when they haven't gone out of the first round in almost 20 years. Until they get out of the first round and do something, then talk to me about being elite. You can you could pay up to the cap. You could pay as many people as you want. Oh, I it just shows that you have the ability to spend money willy nilly. What what do you have to prove from it? Like eight years of nothing and disappointment. Like that's just a regular Tuesday to me. Come on. Yeah, it's kind of. Uh, I I think you know it's gonna get on the coach. Um, that's where the buck's gonna stop. I don't think it should be on him. Uh, I. Really, I for what I'm seeing from Marner is hot trash. It's I'm actually surprised at how bad he's playing with how good he's supposed to be. And just like, ugh. And I've not I'm not gonna talk bad on the kid, but I can't imagine the sort of upbringing he kind of had with a father like he has. I'm not trying to throw some stones, but that's he's. It just seems like he wouldn't have been like. I don't know. I, I don't yep. know. Like his dad seems like such a poor influence on him. And well, it just seems mom. like the mental toll of that is getting to him. The mental pressure from the media is going to get to him. And uh, he, I'm, I'm sure they fucking see the shit people post on social media. Mitchell with two ones instead of L's like uh, for the 11 million <laughs> that he's making, which <laughs> while clever and is making Dookie crack up. Like it's pretty fuck, good, man. Though. Like, yeah, he held out for the money, uh, but if you're offered eleven million, you take the eleven million. It's not your job to to get lower prices. It's your job to get paid. Like if you want to take less, take less. Maybe that's people's um that's people's, you know, opinions. They should have taken less. But here's the thing, Toronto, fans especially, stop hyping these kids up so much. Then maybe they won't want ten and eleven million. Yep. Maybe if you treated them like up and coming solid NHL players. Instead of these godsends to your roster, you wouldn't be stuck with them thinking they are. You know, flip side, they see the negatives, 
they also see those positives. They pumps their tires a bit and shit. And I don't oh know. My God. But yeah, yeah, I completely agree with um everyone. Excuse me, everyone calling Michael Bunting the uh, replacement for Hyman. Excuse me, I'm just burping real quick. Uh, after putting up a hat trick in a preseason game, I repeat, a hat trick in a preseason game, and you're touting him as the next best thing. How has he done so far? Every time they, every time he scores, everyone's like, "Oh yeah, Leafs lost, but but Bunting got a goal. That's great." Now it's not great. It's sad that it's great that he's scoring, but if you're top six, hell, top nine for our leaf, our leaf team aren't putting up points and you're relying on a guy who's making literally one tenth of what your top player is getting and he has more points than him. It's ridiculous. I can't stand it. This is the reason why I dissociate myself from the Leaf franchise. And I just oh I just like the Leafs, but I don't like being a Leaf fan. Like How, I hate I hate wearing this. How's Kerfoot done by the way? Is he still there? Or you sure? I don't, I don't know because he surely hasn't shown him on the ice. Last I heard, he was making like three and a half, right? I think yeah. so. Jeez, <laughs> you're like I, I feel like he's I'm not. Like, there. I mean, I feel like I know he's there, but I also think he's not there because I I don't even think I heard his name called in in the game that I was watching. Maybe he wasn't. In, I don't even know. Is he's he there? there. <laughs> he's got two. He's got two points in six games. Oh man. Um. <laughs> It'd be okay I if he was this. playing center, I guess, but yeah. So Jason, this is the quick thing right here, right here. Jason Spezza has three points. He has two goals and one assist. He is outscoring the rest of the team. League minimum. <laughs> Can't believe it. Make and, like, oh, freaking man. lose it. God. Yeah. And does and does at the end of his rope. Maybe we should move on and spare him more pain. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we can't because we got to talk about the Hurricanes Fuck! next. So they're probably going to lose two tonight. <laughs> Fuck, baby. Oh, another <laughs> loss. Fuck. Two, four, and one. Oh, uh, bunch of jerks. Fuck. <laughs> Carolina on Saturday beat Columbus five to one. Uh, Canes got the first two goals of the season for Vinny Trocek. Uh, Sebastian Ajo has three goals, as does Jesper Faust. So, yes. Jesper Faust is outscoring most of the Leafs top players, too. Um, for Columbus, hey, new Captain Boone Jenner got his fourth of the year. So, yeah, the hey. Hurricanes are rolling. Uh, the St. Louis Blues, another one of the few undefeated teams left in the league. They beat the Kings 7-3. to David Perron with a hat trick. He has five goals on the year. Barbashev, of all people, has three. Jake Neighbors scored his first NHL goal. And we get a question from Ender. Oh, boy. Are the Blues actually this good, or is it just a hot streak to start the season? <sighs> Tough to tell, man, yeah. but uh, define good. Playoff team at this rate, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it'd be disappointing well, if they didn't. Here's the thing. They played Colorado without McKinnon. Right. They mm-hmm. played Arizona. They mm-hmm. played Vegas without Pacioretty and Stone. And then they played mm-hmm. L.A. So... I, I, I'm not going to say, yeah, they're for real or they're fakes yet because they did win. You still have to beat those teams, but you could argue that's uh, not the strongest of challenges yet, uh, you know, for them. But it is what it is. Yeah, I I don't know. The Blues always seem to be around no matter what. And hell, man, if it goes to the playoffs, you know, they're going to be throwing a bunch of headshots that will go uncalled. So, yeah, they got a chance to go far if they take out the other team out. Yeah, yeah, yeah fair. <laughs> I got, I got nothing on that. <laughs> uh, 
Also on Saturday, the Islanders won their second game of the year, beating the Arizona Coyotes 3 to nothing. and Ilya Sorokin shutout. We'll talk more about him later, and we won't bother beating down on the Coyotes anymore because we need to get to the main event of Saturday. The Seattle Kraken's home opener, where Vancouver comes back to win 4-2. to two. Um, Interesting notes around this game. Uh, first and foremost, Brandon Tanev apparently has the fifth highest selling jersey in the league right now. Turbo, let's go. I baby. mean, how many jerseys are they even making? I feel like, well, I mean, they're probably making a lot, but... <laughs> All because he made a dumb face on picture day. Uh, it's the guy. But that's how to market yourself, man. Oh, that's right, 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 right. That's my right, boy. Yeah. I was thinking, yeah, if I, for some reason I heard Tanev and I thought of the defenseman, but then I'm like, no, he's not oh, there. Oh, Chris Tanev. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's Calgary Ghost Flames, boy. Man. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Personality. There you go. <laughs> the Kraken also announced pregame that they were retiring the number 32. Oh, for fuck's sake. To represent the 32nd franchise as well as the 32,000 season ticket deposits on the first day to help make the team a reality. My response is that people calling this cringe need to lighten up, but judging by Sin's response, I feel like we have different takes. You're gonna lose subscribers. I, I think it's st- it's so extra. Why why would you oh we're the 32nd franchise, we're gonna retire a jersey. Fucking I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't think it's cringe. I, I, I don't I don't get it. Like that's fine. I'm not I guess I won't be I already am old man yelling at the clouds in this situation. Clearly, um, here's Tugi being the being the positive one, and I'm here. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I guess I can kind of get it, but it's like to me that's just so like I don't know. Retiring a number that no one has ever worn seems bizarre to me and pr- kind of extra. But yeah, all the other stuff's great. They have a great fan base. I don't absolutely hate him yet. It's good. <laughs> I will say. The number 32, though, like it's it's not as if it's this commonly used number. Yeah. Like, probably the most notable, I mean, the most notable player in the NHL who's wearing the number 32 right now is, like, Jonathan Quick. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's, all right. that yeah many, that's there, true, that's true. There's not that many number 32s, but I get the idea. It's not so much about what number it they, is. They're not the hanging idea. it in the rafters or anything, are they? Just... Uh, there might have been a banner. Like, Minnesota has the number one retired for the number one fans for when they brought the team you know, that back or when they get a team terrible. once more. All right. Well, I hate Minnesota <laughs> now, too. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't really have an issue with it. I really don't. Like, I get the I get the people who are, you know, saying, like, like Sin's take. I'm like, yeah, it's a bit extra. I get that. But in a way, it's like, okay, does it help build that fan base a little bit? Yeah. yeah. I think it does. Does it? Um. In, well, in a way, like I feel like. The, so, if yeah. you're one of those thirty-two thousand people on day one who bought season seats to help make this team a reality, or whatever the hell it is, or said, "Hey, I would buy season seats." That's what it was. Yeah. If you're one of those thirty-two thousand, like you literally helped make this a reality, and they're putting up a banner to say thank you. What I think that's cool more than cringe. I think you, well, yeah, but I also think if they would have given away shirts limited edition shirts or sweaters with the 32 and like cracking on the back or something like that and then fucking retired it i think that'd go a little bit longer also create a collector's edition at the same time but yeah i mean uh that's yeah hire I'm, sin for the marketing that department. that makes too much sense <laughs> that makes too much so, sense yeah. i mean uh the game itself though 
Um, number one, the arena looks fantastic, God. despite the fact that I that made, I made a funny joke built. on Twitter that no one cared about, and I'm pissed about it. But continue. Oh God, we'll tell it again here. Yeah. yeah. So Keep someone made a tweet that said, "Oh look, there's anchors on on the red line," and I said, "There's also anchors on the blue line." And no one liked it, and I hate everyone. I think it, I didn't see it. Yeah, like fuck. I'm gonna that go was like funny. it right now. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, I'll let Endo find it. I didn't see that. Well, That's I genius, though. No, I know, and like I'm like fuck. The algorithm just said no, yeah. no. <laughs> we will not take Seattle Kraken hate here. Thank you. Yeah, like no Kraken slander on the timeline. I was like, God damn it. Oh, God, okay. yeah. Might I have to sift that. through that's... some rage tweets no, no, during I the hockey game. It. I found it. There we go. There we that's, that's fantastic. <laughs> did you find it? <laughs> I did, yeah. I just retweeted okay. uh, I The arena itself looks fantastic. I mean, again, that is a place that was originally... Uh, it, it was originally opened in 1962. Mm-hmm. Like, it's been renovated four times it's now. It's the same where the Sonics four played, times. right? Or... Oh, yeah, yeah, that's where the yeah. Sonics played, yeah. yes. Yeah, they just, um, Sean Kemp, I mean, baby. again, they changed a lot. Again, they dug deeper and put ice level down yeah. uh, a lot further into the ground to the point where if you're on street level, and I forget who it was that, that tweeted this, but if you're on street level and you look like into the building, you can see the ice and just look down at the That's ice. That's pretty sick. That's Not going to lie. It's, it's cool as shit. And the atmosphere inside the arena was fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah. My God. That was loud. Like, dude, when Vince Dunn scored that first goal... That place went nuts. It had the atmosphere of like a winter classic game in yeah. terms of just the noise. It was so sick. And then the Kraken blew it. Yeah. <laughs> Again, they lost 4-2. Connor Garland scored the winner, and he's already winning over Vancouver's fan base. He has a six-game Good point him, streak man. to start the season. He, sound, he seems like an awesome dude. And then Thatcher freaking Demko. Had I mean he gave up two goals, but had the game of his life. Oh, yeah. As as solid of a showing as it was for Seattle, I mean this was this was a statement win for the Canucks to face you know to take the first ever game in what will be a forced rivalry if it doesn't actually turn into a natural rivalry. Um, but I don't know. I I was I was thoroughly entertained as a neutral, and uh, I think that's the most I can ask for. A fair point. Yeah, it was sure. definitely an entertain. It was entertaining for sure. Theatrics on both sides. Uh, I can't wait to see how they do the rest of the season, and I I want to see a rivalry between these two because uh, they're like right there, right next to each other. Yeah. yeah. So we'll move on to Sunday, um, and we'll we'll get to this one. We'll get to this one too. We'll go with what's at the top of the list. The Boston Bruins hand the San Jose Sharks their first loss of the season with a 4-3 victory. The Bruins took a 3-0 lead in the first as Brad Marchand scored his fourth of the season in like 28 seconds. Mm -hmm. Uh, Derek Forbert with a bit of a soft goal as well for his first as a Bruin, and David Pasternak scored as well. Yeah, he's not going to miss good from for the there. Bruins. <laughs> Pasta's just not going to miss from that location. I can't believe it was the classic, that open. like... Ugh. I want to call it the pasta one timer. It's yeah. it's he scored from the Ovi spot. Yeah. Because that's what David Pasternak does as well. And yeah, no, that's that is very, very tough. Yeah, that to second goal was the only Well, yeah, the second goal was like a, a straight shot that wasn't like a weird play that happened. That was just like, oh, mm-hmm. uh, Hill should have had you need a you need to make a save right there. But with how well he's done, I I'm you know, 
whatever. I'll, I'll allow him to have a, a let a bad one slip through. He looked confused as fuck after it went into. That was the weird part. Like he didn't even know what happened, so maybe he didn't track it well or something. It was just a rough start from the entire team. The Sharks did battle back though. Uh, Jasper Weatherby gets his second goal mm-hmm. of the season at the end of the first, like 15 seconds after David Posternock made it three nothing. Uh, second period, DeBrusque scores, makes it 4-1. And then that third period comeback attempt. Uh, man, Hurdle scores, Myers scores. Uh, Eric Carlson basically got the similar type of chance he had in the Toronto game, except Linus Allmark gloved it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my takeaway from this, Aiden Hill had his first not-inhuman game that he's had for the Sharks since he's been so solid so far. And... Uh, Bruins got a little bit lucky to not end up in overtime. Yeah, uh, putting Reimer in sparked the Sharks a lot, and he played fantastic. I think he made 16 out of 16 down the stretch after uh, Hill got removed or something like that, so great for him. But yeah, Hill definitely kind of did look human. I wouldn't say for the first time. I'd say the first period against the Winnipeg Jets when he made that kind of bonehead play, shot it into Carlson's skates, swung his stick back in the puck, as the puck got passed out and went five-hole. But again, that was kind of more of a freak play miscommunication that happened. But yeah, in this... This one definitely, you know, looks like, okay, he's not just going to jump in and be elite immediately. But I got to say, I love the Sharks pushback. They go down three to nothing in the way they did last year. They're, they're, they're done. They check out. Mentally, they check out. Uh, like they even said in the quotes, I think it was, I think Hurdle said, like, or I can't remember exactly. But anyway, if, like, if this happens last year, everyone kind of goes their separate ways. And instead of trying to play the team game, someone's like, okay, I'm going to go make a play happen. I got to make this happen, you know, make something happen. And that's just not the mentality. We saw Middleton fight Frederick. And that was, you know, Frederick, he's a tough, tough kid, number one. But number two, it kind of shows how tough Middleton is because he – Got him in a dangerous position for a while. Was in almost looked like he was about to dummy him, but Frederick, being the good fighter, he is able to tie up that arm, get that takedown. But I, I just like to see it from the Sharks that they don't, they literally don't back down from anyone now, which is a night and day difference. And they didn't back down. It showed up on the score sheet. I really wish they could have squeezed that a point, even though they probably didn't deserve it. And you don't want to get rewarded for uh, going down. Uh, like that too often, but in this case, for the start that they had, I really wanted to see them kind of pull back, but that's what a rough start can do to you, uh, and uh, that's, you know, at the end of the day, what they deserve is taking that L. So, I will turn this over to you guys, the Nashville-Minnesota game, because my dog's going to go out, and I just want to keep the show going, so why not? Connor Ingram became the first goalie not named Pekka Rene or UC Saros to win a game in five years. <laughs> Is that not the most ridiculous stat line you've ever heard of? Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, that shows you, um, uh, as Toogie steps out of the room, uh, as to, uh, how's it, as Toogie, um, it, it's, it's crazy to realize how much they relied on uh, that tandem to get them through situations. Um, kind of mad that uh, my boy uh, Kazimir Kaskasuo did not get a chance to play uh, in NHL last season, but you know what? That happens. Um, It's unreal. Uh, Props to him for getting that dub and really makes you think with how, how much they relied on Pekka. And I think maybe, yeah, I I I got nothing else. Yeah. In that duo in particular, that's actually kind of wild stat. Like, did they, 
injuries. You got to think at some point, I'm pretty sure like one of them had to deal with an injury at some point, maybe in that five years, and they still didn't go to another body during all that time. Like that's kind of an insane stat that I didn't even realize was a stat, but that's, yeah, pretty nuts that for one, that was their duo for two, that they even within any injury that may have occurred that they never went to like a third goaltender up on an ELC or something like that. Because they're not in Toronto's cap situation where they needed an e-bug. <laughs> you know Sorry, what? I'm, just gonna, I'm taking off the hat. <laughs> now it's Endo's time to walk no, I'll do it. I'll fucking do it. Oh, no, I'll keep it on. Fine. I'll wear this uh, pain. Yeah, you wear that Leafs hat. You wear. Yeah, I don't even recognize Merrick Mazinek's name. Like <laughs> he was the last yeah, one he, to he win. He bounced around in a little 2016. bit too. Yeah. Um, Connor Ingram, as mentioned, was the goalie in that game, and he said on Twitter, nine months to the day that I stepped away and went into the NHLPA program for help, uh, I played my first game. Amazing things that can happen mm. when you put your mental health first. We keep again, hearing it. Goes it. Along. I love it. Yeah. I fucking yeah. love it. It goes along with More what people. we said at the start, man. Yeah, they keep they keep coming forward, and this is just going to be a, a you know, kind of a, a snowball effect with everyone coming forward, and it's just going to be such a, hopefully, a very, very positive uh, force in the hockey world and really force the goddamn league to take a look at it and and get serious about it. I'm happy for him especially too because again Sin kind of talked about oh player rumors and stuff like that. Like Connor Ingram was someone who I saw the rumors of like this kid's a dick essentially. It's like okay you see how he has really good numbers in the minors. Well there's a reason why he's not up there. And instead, what's happened since? He's like, hey, I, I needed help with some stuff. And yeah. now he gets a cool moment like this, and that's really sick. Um, for Nashville as well, it was just their second win of the year. Uh, Ryan Johansson had two goals, so good for Ryan Johansson still putting up points. Roman Yossi has three goals, has a defenseman already as well. Uh, and that leaves two other games to talk about. I wanted to talk about the one that was actually listed at the bottom for us. Is the New York Islanders beat the Vegas Golden Knights 2 to nothing? Consecutive shutouts. For Ilya Sorokin, he shut out Arizona on Saturday with 26 saves and then shut out Vegas with 42 in this game. Uh, Matt Barzell also scored his third of the year. So the Islanders have picked up momentum, and Vegas, 1-4 and four to start the season. Good. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Once more, I mean, the Sharks shall rule the Pacific. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> Except for the Oilers, but hey, they're North they Division. They're, they're North Division team. Fuck them. Screw it. <laughs> Dude, it's it's so bad for Vegas right now. Yeah. I don't really see Vegas fans freaking out just yet. Obviously, again, you got the Stone, the Pacioretties, the Tucks that are out. Uh, no Marc-Andre Fleury either. Uh, it's been a rough start to the year for them, yeah. but I don't think anyone's... Uh, you know, writing an obituary no, for the season. I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll get their dudes back, and, and they'll they'll still make the playoffs. I There's no doubt in my mind that it, they make the playoffs. I hope I'm wrong, but they're going to be a playoff team. And while people aren't writing the obituaries for them, people are writing <laughs> the obituaries for the final game that we're going to talk about oh, here. Yeah. The Detroit Red Wings beat the Chicago Blackhawks 6-3 to on Sunday night, moving the Hawks to 0-5-1 on the season. Uh, Alex Nedeljkovic with a ridiculous save of the year contender. Go look it up if you haven't seen it. 19-year-old Lucas Raymond scores a hat trick and now has four goals on the year. He joins Steve Eiserman and Gordie Howe as the only two teenagers in team history with a hat trick. 
That's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, and Tyler Bertuzzi scored his sixth goal of the year to continue his campaign to get people to forget about what the hell he did or did not do uh, in the offseason. <laughs> I mean, again, we talk about Detroit blowing it against Montreal. A win like this can easily make you forget. So anything to mention about Detroit? Before we yeah, talk a little bit. About um, Chicago. I'm going to reiterate this point. I brought up the last time we were talking about Mason Raymond, but I'm going to just hammer it home again. They drafted him to be like a playmaking presence, didn't they? Lucas and Raymond, not Mason. Whatever. Good old Mason. Mason Raymond. Mason Raymond. He was a uh, former Canucks. Canuck. Yeah. Former yeah, well, flame. Right, Luke. There we go. Anaheim. Sorry. It, Toronto, it just happens. It happens when you when you got <laughs> you know when your mind's cluttered. Anyway, but yeah, Lucas Raymond, just insane. Like just. He has a shot. I mean, mm-hmm. again, when you're doing it, when they draft him, be like, oh, he's got this incredible hockey IQ, moves the puck, he could be a great playmaker. And here he is putting up goals. Jackpot. Absolute jackpot right there. And to be in the company of Iserman and Gordy Howe, and not to say that that's, oh, he's going to have a similar career uh, to them or as great of a career as them or anything, but that's still incredible company to keep. And that's a huge, huge bright spot in a team that really hasn't, you know, been able to have uh, a, enough bright spots uh, the last few years in Detroit. So, I mean, a positive record now above 500. When the hell is the last team this wings? When ah, when's the last time this wings team? has even been above 500. I can't remember the last time the Wings have even been above 500, but here they are, and good for them. 2016, when Joe Louis Arena closed. See? He they went to have... Little Caesars, and it all went to shit. <laughs> mm. Just like their pizza. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. Oh. Well, my my great detour back from letting the dog outside. Roof, it's fun roof, dealing with a roof, sick dog. Roof, roof. We'll let the dog Indeed. No, um, two, 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 two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Let's talk about the tire fire known as the Chicago Blackhawks. Now, first thing I want to mention here. Uh, Liam McHugh, of, formerly of NBC. I, I think he was brought on by ESPN and TNT, wasn't he? But regardless, uh, he made note of this on Twitter. Quote, Hawks call a timeout. Coach Jeremy Colleton hands the dry erase board to the players who appear to draw something up and hand it back. Why the hell is Jeremy Colleton still the head coach of this team? I want to I wanna look at the positive and be like, yo, he's probably like, you know what, guys? You hey, fucking fuck it, do you it. Try. Yeah, you try. Yeah. Like, I've done I, like, I, You guys won't listen to me or maybe you think they can. I, I have a feeling, at least with all this stuff I've watched with the Hawks, how vocal Taves and Kane are, not afraid to speak their mind on the bench, argue with each other, argue with a coach or something. Maybe they're giving him shit about not agreeing with him, so he's just like, hands up, throws his hands up, fuck it, you guys do it then. You guys you guys can come up with a better solution. <laughs> move in, move out. Hands up, hands down. Backing up is Jeremy Dalton. <laughs> what you gonna Show do what now, you gonna boys? Do now. Here's the board. <laughs> <laughs> hands up, hands down. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh, uh, goodness. Uh, sh- <laughs> Give me a second. I was seeing some whack shit on Twitter. Uh, we'll, we'll get into it after that, after the podcast is over. But holy <laughs> so the Hawks were booed off the ice. Yeah. It Again, it wasn't as loud as it could have been because their uh, consecutive shutout sh- or sellout streak ended at 535 games, which dated back to 2008. Uh, Pittsburgh's attendance record or attendance streak also just recently ended, but a bit more positive vibes around that team right now. Uh, 
we have to mention Seth Jones. The stat is out. In just over 100 minutes of five-on-five hockey this season, Chicago has been outscored 10 to nothing with Seth Jones on the ice. Oh, boy. It's probably not good. <laughs> a reminder that the Jones deal, that he has signed to a $76 million extension. The trade was to Columbus. A first-rounder that became Cole Sillinger, who just scored his first NHL goal. Defenseman Adam Boakvist. Uh, a side deal essentially made it said Jake Beam was also a part of the trade and a 2022 first rounder. Awful. Like, surface value, this is awful. The, I mean, I mean it, it was is, kind of awful take, day one, but ugh. It's going to take a bit to uh, change the the feeling of, of this particular trade because, yeah, in the immediate uh, aftermath of it, it looks awful. And they now own the NHL record for longest start to a season without holding a lead. They have not had a lead through six full games. And kind of also another thing, um, Seth Jones, his war is actually four times better than it was last year. But that only brings it to 13%. (laughs) For those of you who don't know analytics, that's wins above replacement. And I'm sure your eye test is much, much better than my numbers. But... Um, yeah, that's not great. That's some improvement, but it's nowhere near where he needs to be playing. I still don't know how you trade for a guy like that. It's kind of, I I don't know. Like, how did he even get valued so high? It's like this narrative gets creative and all created. And all of a sudden, some things just don't matter. And all that matters is the narrative. It's kind of interesting how that happens. But yeah, it's big yikes for the Hawks. Now, bit of karma though. I will say, I am kind of relishing this. Yes, and it's for this reason. Now, again, this is nothing to do with Chicago Blackhawks fans. This is not a shot at anybody in particular. The fan base as a whole. This has nothing to do with the fan base of the team. However, I talked about it on this podcast over the summer when it became clear that some shady shit went down surrounding the Blackhawks, and then once it became even more clear that nothing was likely to happen. Uh, that I was really kind of having, um, uh, I don't want to say a crisis, but there was the dilemma of am I cool with continuing to support the NHL when knowing that something like this is probably going to be swept under the rug? And at the very least, I mean, I love the game of hockey. The NHL is the pinnacle of hockey. Uh, Everything I do essentially online is based around hockey. It's very, very tough to sit there and be like, okay, I'm not going to watch the NHL anymore. Um... You know, this isn't like professional wrestling where you're like, oh, WWE is a tragedy. I got other stuff I can watch. It's not exactly that. This is as close to karma as we're going to get because the general feeling surrounding everything with the Hawks organization is that nothing is going to happen, more than likely. Um, You know, the audacity still for Stan Bowman to do what he did at the draft uh, to come out just surrounded by women to be like, hey, don't think about the other stuff that we're being accused of. Um, the you know the ongoing investigation. Like this is this is bottom line is this is what we see in hockey. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of times um, it doesn't matter, right? You can do practically whatever you want, and if you're good enough at your job, or at least apparently allegedly good enough at your job, like they think Stan Bowman still is, you'll get second chances. Um, you know, a more one of the more popular posts on Reddit in the past couple of days has been a reminder um, that Mitch Miller, uh, yes, that Mitch Miller who was drafted by the Arizona Coyotes, yeah, he's still playing. 
He's in the USHL right now. He's still playing. He's going to get another chance. Why? Because he's good. Uh, Logan Mayu. I don't want to be drafted. Well, too bad. You're good. We're taking you. And people are just going to have to be fine with it. We don't care. Nothing's going to happen anyway. At the end of the day, watching the Chicago Blackhawks suck is about the best that uh, that anyone who was hoping to see something happen to the Blackhawks. It's about the best we're going to get. Mm-hmm. So in the meantime, I will very much enjoy this. And I am very much looking forward again to the Hawks next game where they play the Toronto Maple Leafs and we'll see who can outsuck the other. <laughs> yes, I'm talking about a hockey game. Um, also, is the 2022 first isn't lottery protected, is it? Or was it? I believe it is. Damn it. But God. at the end of the day, yeah, here, let me get you the um Damn, the, I really the official, wish it was the official deal with that trade. So the condition of that is if Chicago wins one of the three lottery spots, the pick becomes the 2023rd pick. Okay. So it is only oh, if only Chicago if moves three. into the top three. Okay. But if that's a fourth or fifth overall pick, that's Columbus's. Whew. So I, really I mean, you're banking. Yeah. So the only the only solace that Hawks fans have is the idea of finishing in the bottom three to try and get the best rights you can. But even then, that doesn't mean you're going to win the lottery. As we know, the team that has the number one rights, uh, they don't often win. Yeah. I mean, if we take a look right at the. The last couple of drafts in terms of the the NHL seasons, right? Like the the worst team in the league and who had the top lottery odds. I want to see if I can track that down. But if I'm not mistaken, the worst team in the league this past year uh, did not get the number. Well, actually, they did. It was the Buffalo Sabers with uh, with Owen Power. They did get the number one pick. Yeah, but... he said, "Yeah, I'm taking another year at school." Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Even then, it's like, okay, we've seen New Jersey win the lottery, um, you know, a couple of times at this I point. I mean, hell, even the were Hawks moved the up worst? to three when they were 12th. Yeah, that was ridiculous. Yeah, like, like, have we, and like Dallas, when they got Miro Haskin in, I don't believe they were one of the worst teams either that year. Again, I could be wrong, but the general feeling to me, and of course, Edmonton with McDavid, the general feeling to me is that, you know, if, if that's all you got is to say, okay, we're going to suck. But we're going to suck bad enough to hope that we win the lottery. Like, man, if that's all you got right now. Yeah. And I think Hawks fans agree. is like, yeah, it's a shitty, shitty situation. Yep. It's pretty rough. Like, a yeah. top ten pick's going to be good. And the fact that they're only going to have it if it's one through three is tough odds, and with, especially with the way they're looking. And they got to enjoy that Seth Jones contract for, well, eight years. Nine and a half million Hell, man! In like pe- twenty thirty. Yeah, people, people giving shit to Dowdy and Carlson, but dude, at least their numbers are good. Analytics yeah. are better. They're putting up points. Fucking, what is Seth Jones doing? Like, there's not. Does a, he even it, have a point? Like, what is he doing? I'm sorry, but like, if someone has the opinion of, oh, I'd take Seth Jones right now over a healthy Drew Dowdy or Eric Carlson with the way he's playing, there's no way. Like, I know those other two are older. But that means you're banking on saying, well, Seth Jones can turn it around, which means you're conceding the fact that he's playing like shit right now. And therefore shouldn't have been traded for or signed to that level because he kind of played like shit last year. And it doesn't really feel like Columbus is missing him all that much, does it? I wonder why. (laughs) It could be 
with two of the young studs that you happen to give them that are currently in their lineup with Cole Sillinger and Mr. Boakfist on the blue line. Uh, we will continue to follow along with the Chicago Blackhawks because Lord knows that situation is not likely done. But uh, we are done here for today. One of our longest shows in a bit. I knew we'd have a lot of stuff to talk about. Should we have asked the viewer questions? I don't know, but we did. Yeah, It is what it is. But boys, it was a good one. We will be back likely this Thursday. We might potentially have to push it to Friday, but Mondays might become uh, our thing rather than Tuesdays for the foreseeable future. We'll keep you all updated on that. But let's wrap this show up. Endo, plug what you got to plug. Tell the people where to find you. Tell them how they can put a smile on your face because the Toronto Maple Leafs can't. (laughs) Should I really shill? Hold on. You, You shill away, man. He's got props. This if you feel bad for me, paypal.me slash dot endo mills. Go right there. <laughs> Give me some money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. So I had this in the back like two weeks ago, like when we did our last show, just because I wanted to see if someone would notice and no one did. And so I'm like, you mm-hmm. know what? I'm just going to have it there. Paypal.me slash endo mills. Yeah, everyone else, plug your PayPal. <laughs> I'm joking. Anyway. Don't don't give me at Tuki twenty four at Tuki twenty four at sin ft the prod. I don't I don't need it. Okay, I don't know. It's fine. (laughs) You know what you do though is you sub to Endo on Twitch. Yes, Twitch.tv slash Endo Mills on Twitter. Endo Mills. Uh, Where else am I? Also, EndoMills.ca to get your clout chasing merch. Because if you get called out by someone and you you want to you want to flex on them. Use the Cloud Chaser merch. We got it on shirts, got it on posters, got it on mugs too. So if your boss is treating like a real piece of B, show him the mug. There you go. <laughs> Sin, what do you got for? <laughs> you got a Venmo to plug? No, uh, don't have Venmo All I got is uh, follow me on Twitter at SinFTWProd on YouTube, SinFTWProductions, and Twitch by the same name. And I, I've, I've done it. I'm actually I'm actually consistently streaming on Twitch. It's it's crazy. So come hang out. I fought. As I, I fought for that, everybody. <laughs> he, did, he fought for that. The bullying works. Just just take that home with you guys. One lesson. Bullying works. And again, you can find me everywhere at Tuki24. Check us out on Twitch as we'll stream some EASHL and have the games desync and not count. Mm. Oh, my Unless God. Unless this patch works properly. Shout out to NHL22 for fixing stuff, maybe? Nah. Who's to say? Gentlemen, I'll see you later this week, and we'll talk about uh, the Leafs losing to both Carolina and Chicago, and um, we'll we'll see how much hair Endo has left by the end of it. It might fall out from all the stress. Oh my god, you can shove You'll be it. looking like me by the end of the week. <laughs> you can go shove it, Tugi. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> you guys are mean. We'll see you later, everybody. Bye.